Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Catching up with old friends, making a new one, and laughing so hard, a bit of wee comes out. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? I cannot imagine my life without her. She is a symbol of my entire adult existence. She's seen me through all of this and she's so important to me that I think I'm going to get her stuffed when she dies. Welcome to Thanks A Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneaky look at my guest's gratitude list to find out the things that shaped their lives. Today I'm off to meet author, broadcaster, journalist and friend Donna Porter. She's been thinking a lot about gratitude herself for her new book, So Lucky, her sixth book. Yes, she's an underachiever and we love her for it. Hi, D.O.P. Hey, sweetheart. Doppy Hot Patooties. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the book because... I read it on holidays. I got one of those lovely proofreads and I I read it in a day and a half. It was really obnoxious, actually, because it was like, don't worry, I have a kid, I have a husband. They were very much sidelined for those couple of days, which is, I guess, what you want to hear, but also is what you want from a book is to be kind of so invested Mm. in it that you just can't wait to see what what happens or what unravels kind of. Well that makes me happy because I definitely think about that when I'm writing Mm. so just think I want when I wrote The Cows I realised that a lot of my readers are um, women with small children like me and reading is incredibly challenging as considering my job is to write I don't read very much Mm -hmm. because I just fall asleep in the upright position (laughs) as soon as I get to bed (laughs) so um, I, I think I want to make it a riveting speedy read for people so I try to make something happen on each page which is going to make you want to turn the next page that's mm-hmm. quite a conscious decision so to tell you a little bit about the book yeah it's called So Lucky because when we last met you were having a slight moment where there was another book in the works that you had thought this is not the book that I want to do and then this book had come to you is that right? Wait are you talking about in New York? No, oh, since then. Right, so this conversation has obviously happened a lot because I remember when I met you in New York. That, it did And happen. I was going through that with the cows. Yeah. Um, I'd written like, I'd written about 30,000 words that were just absolutely atrocious and when I met you I was peak meltdown and deleted all of those words and then, you know, gave birth to the cows. Oh, I did that again, did I? But also I think maybe, maybe. <laughs> that oh, no, my maybe, But maybe it was that. But I actually think the cows, I don't know, it feels really conscious. It feels like you're, there's a message that you want to put out there. Does that make sense? Self-acceptance, like, not yeah. hiding away, not being ashamed, mm. not letting what other people's opinions of you um, not letting those opinions affect your life. Um, like The Cows was quite like out there and about public shame and all of that. This book is really about those kind of dark secrets that you harbour yourself mm-hmm. and how they fester and how they affect you and how putting your real self out there is ultimately going to be less stressful. Yeah. One character in my book is all over Instagram. One of them hates Instagram and would never go on it, but she really needed to admit to the world who she is and mm-hmm. just be kind of come out of herself. Yeah, I guess the overriding arch will always be that hopefully you get to the end of one of my books and you've got a lot to reflect on on yourself and, you know, you'll feel confident as a woman. Yeah, and I think that definitely 
comes through and we you know we hear that kind of authentic that word yeah. you know chucked around a lot but actually there, there is there's a warmth to it and it is shocking in places and it's laugh out loud <laughs> yeah. but there's actually a real warmth to it and a real you know a real love and a real wish I think for you to give permission to, to women to be themselves yeah. and unapologetically themselves I feel like women are starting well not starting but I feel like we're like Girls like us and our mm-hmm. friendship group is very. And when you think that we are, we've got quite big followings on Instagram, and hopefully the way that we are will inspire and help people to just kind of be themselves a bit more, not yeah. just all glossy or glamorous. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I think there's you know an authentic like life is definitely a happier life. You're very happy at the moment, I though, know. aren't you? <laughs> I made some big softy speech last night, which I absolutely nailed. By the way, you did, you did, <laughs> and you told us all. <laughs> <laughs> I've got such memory loss. I could have stayed there all night yeah. chatting. The room was yours, Dawn. Um, but yeah, there was a moment where you said, I'm so, I'm so, so happy right now. Yeah. You know, husband, kids, work, all good. And that that's not always the case that all of those things in tandem are, you really? know, joyful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you able to kind of relish that? Or is there a fear of the impending doom? Usually, I am so in touch with tragedy and able to go there that everything is going to fall apart. And I think, very, I'm talking like the last few weeks, it's a weird little moment where things are going really great. But then, you know, I the reality is I kind of made this speech last night about how everything just seems really happy. The people in my life seem to be thriving. Everyone seems to be doing quite well. And then I got home to a really sad text message from a friend who's having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And so immediately that little bubble was broken because I care about my friends. And so mm. it's funny, there was just a little moment, just a week, maybe two weeks, where I don't feel like I got any bad news. And it all just seemed to be quite nice. And I really told myself to just be present in it and um, because it doesn't last of course and this is you know turn 40 in January in a really low-key fashion yeah I mean I'm not one for birthdays actually (laughs) there could have been sequins and there could have been a performance (laughs) and uh, the rest and and more speeches (laughs) I think the weird thing about turning 40 is god I feel the best I've ever felt physically emotionally all of that such a positive experience me turning 40 but the other point about your 40s is you're it's almost certainly going to be a decade of tragedy we're almost certainly going to lose people at very least my cat and you know there's we can't you know that something's going to happen at some point that will kind of you know burst the bubble Mm. So it's it's an it's an odd decade because you can almost guarantee on heartache. Do you think about that? Because I would, that to me f- it feels like a quite a morbid fixation. I'm actually quite a morbid person. Okay, and but not in a way that it affects my life necessarily. But I absolutely look. Truth is, my mum died when I was six, yeah. and I think when something like that has happened to you, it's in you. So you go. I can go to the worst place scenario very quickly. I'm very good at bringing myself back to a good place but my brain will go there I think I'm extremely tired I'll get into bed I'll put on my my silk bed hat mm-hmm. my silk eye mask my I'm writing my earplugs my earplugs got thick application of eye cream under my silk um, eye mask mm-hmm. I lay my head down on my pillow probably with a melatonin in my system and I'm like I'm having a lovely night and suddenly I just get a intense visual of something terrible happening to Chris or one of the boys mm-hmm. and I'm like where did that even come from and my brain will just go there and I, uh, daily and so I'm very in touch which I'm grateful for in terms of writing books because yeah. I can like go from extreme emotions very quickly but yeah I am quite morbid I think I am morbid and I, I, I quite happily 
around a table with friends just talk like real sadness mm. like really go there and Chris saw always like you know in his chirpy Irish accent but also do that but deep down as an Irishman there's like a default is is misery I don't think Chris has that. No, he no, doesn't really, no. does he? He's he's, he's kind of bypassed. It's that. like every day is St Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> is that really the case? I mean, it's not. You know, yeah, it's it's he's it, actually quite solitary as a person. I guess yeah. he'd be quite happily happy if I stopped organising parties. <laughs> but he's definitely he can definitely stop himself going deep on sadness for sure. Okay, I'm like, yeah. take me there. Yeah, see, I'm the same. I quite like to wallow in it a bit. Yeah, I love wallowing. But, um, Roy is, would you laugh? My husband's called Roy, and obviously Roy's the much. IT crowd. And you were like, is your husband actually called Roy? Yeah, I asked him There's the same There's a real thing. person called mm-hmm. Roy. Yeah, and he doesn't work in IT. Um, ish, kind of, he does actually. But anywho, <laughs> um, he, his dad and my mum, so we call my mum the Grim Reaper. Right. And his dad, he says, his dad's uh, Facebook is a website called RIP.ie. Come on. Which is basically where you go to, you know, send sympathy cards and, you know, find out who's dead in the locality or in the country. And so there was a point when he was ringing Roy quite regularly, as he does, and saying, you'll never guess now. You know, Mary down the road is after getting this and such and such is after dying. And Roy was like... Every time I speak to my dad, I just want a jolly conversation right. or, you know, a nice human interaction. And all I get is like RIP.ie. And so he said to him one day, really angry, he was like, do you know what? Could you at least save them up till the end of the week and give me them all in one go? Just like one <laughs> explosion of death. Yeah. I was like, well, we do kind of, yeah, quite quickly go go there. Yeah, I'm just very happy with it. Also, mm. I don't get brought down by conversations. And I think some people... You know that when people say, you're really bringing me down. Yeah. Obviously, there are some people that just sap your happy energy. But generally, I can I can go from like morbid conversation about death to like, should we get another pint then? And, you know, oh. and be, I can I can jump around. OK, that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so you come in shit all over everybody yeah. else. And like, off the pint. No, no, I'm off. I'm off. Have fun. That's really good. Though. And is that natural or do you know, oh, there's a little, you know, boundaries? Are you conscious of those things? I think it's, I think it's quite natural. Yeah, I'm, OK. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just a bit all over the place, I suppose. I've just realised having this conversation. Is it is it quite natural to be present? You said that, you know, this idea of kind of luxuriating in this moment of um, of happiness. That no, I'd say my natural inclination is to go, what's next, what's next, what's next? And just think, is it good, is it bad? What's coming? What do I need to do to kind of secure the next move? Like, yeah. and, and what I've got better at as I've got older is um, just being a lot more chilled out and being in the moment. And kids does that to you, doesn't mm. it? Because... Yeah. As much as it's hard, you know you're not supposed to fast forward it. So it kind of slows you down a bit. Yeah. Locks yeah. you down, straps you down. <laughs> Pins you in. And attacks you. <laughs> I mean, violently at times. Violently. <laughs> well, we love it. Everything's great. Yeah, We're so great. We're lucky. So, so blessed. <laughs> Talk to me about today. What are you thankful for today? Today I am thankful for, um, well, after off the back of my launch party last night, I'm thankful, I want to say, you know, my friends and family and all of those things, but I'm going to say that I'm thankful for my job mm. because it really means a lot to me. And writing is something that I wanted to do from way before I wanted to do anything else. I got opportunities to do it and now on this particular, like, publicity 
tour for the first time I don't feel like an imposter and that's to do with my hard work mm-hmm. having a great team of people and um, and support and all of that stuff but really it's because of my hard work and so I'm thankful for being someone who gets paid to write because yeah. I don't know what else I would be doing so it's yeah it's something to be grateful for because I know there's a lot of people who work as hard as me who don't get paid to write and there's mm-hmm. you know there's a whole issue surrounding that and um I've got friends who do get paid to write and it's measly and I feel very lucky that I actually get paid well to write. It's a really amazing position to be in. So I'm very, very grateful for it. And so you said that was what you always wanted to do because a lot of people will know you from from telly. Yeah. So telly was was a kind of detour? It's weird. The whole time I was growing up on Guernsey as a teenager, I just wanted to be a famous actress. I just wanted attention ultimately is what it comes down to and to be adored <laughs> um, so it's kind of on my little island just like get me off go to drama school immediately realised I hated Famous. acting and just oh, wasn't you? confident I wasn't I just I remember being up going God I thought this was going to give me all of the feelings and it just I just didn't enjoy it I felt very um I felt very restricted by it. And I always remember thinking, I could write that better. Mm. It was a very conscious thought. But I didn't have any confidence to writing back then. And I was far too high to write anything when I was at university. <laughs> but I, I kind of, it was what I always thought to Like as a teenager, I'd write poems and stories and always did it. And then, you know, I wrote my first book when I was 25. Yeah. So it's, it was always there. And then this kind of TV thing happened and it gave me that that feeling I wanted to be on camera and I wanted to be famous and I wanted to do all that stuff and that kind of all dies down after a while and kind of what you're left with is the opportunity to be successful at something that you really enjoy doing and I was it gave me a bit of notoriety that meant that when I got really into my writing I had an audience for it so I'm grateful for all of the TV stuff but it's Mm -hmm. not it's not I don't know if my heart was ever in it as much as I thought it was going to be like I was devastated when it kind of stopped because I didn't feel that was under my control. I didn't get a second series for something and it felt like I'd been sacked and it was horrible. But when I kind of got over that, you know, then I was in an opportunity to do it again and realised that I wasn't really bothered. Really? And now, like, now I go for occasional tea and one day someone might present me with an idea and I'll be like okay I want to do it but it's certainly not what I'm out there trying to do sometimes I'm on my way to meetings about TV work and I'm just like why why am I I going I have no interest in 12 hour filming days Mm -hmm. and like being away from my kids like when I write I can drop them off and pick them up don't have to spend the day with them still you know do that but um, but it's yeah I don't know what the idea is that would get me back in front of the TV and it's Mm -hmm. funny because I used to think it was all I wanted to do Nice to have had the opportunity to revisit it yeah, and realise, oh yeah, no, it's not for me, rather no. than feel like it had been taken away from you and you were maybe yes. rejecting it yeah, out I'm, of a I'm, sense I'm, of yes, protecting I'm very yourself. grateful to keep on brand with your podcast. I'm very grateful that I am now left with a feeling of um, not that I was rejected. Yeah. So I'm. it's a, it's a nice feeling because I know that if I came up with a really good idea, I could probably get it made and mm-hmm. I'm just like... Not asked. Just, just not asked. I'd rather yes. like get someone like you to do it and produce it. Yeah, done. Yeah. Okay, I'm just writing that. Down. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, 
the thank fuck for this. So the thing that you would be lost without. It's going to make me sound crazy. Go on. It's my cat. Is it your cat? I've had Lulu my entire adult life. And for people who aren't animal lovers, it might seem strange to say something like that. But she has been... I've travelled the world with her since I was 25, 24. There's not long left, we hope, because she's crazy and old and shits on my pillows. But she, um, I cannot imagine my life without her. She is a symbol of my entire adult existence. She's seen me through all of this. And she's so important to me that I think I'm going to get her stuffed when she dies. No yes, way. yes, I think There's so. There's that morbid little creature yes, in you. Yes, it is. I... I how how do you think the boys would react to that? I think they'll be fine with it because I think our attitude will be what becomes their attitude about it. Yeah, We yeah, couldn't yeah, okay. do it to Potato. No. It's a different thing. It's very strange. The relationship that we've got with Lilu and her kind of self-righteous Siamese bitchiness okay. where she's judging us all. <laughs> she should sit upright, cross-eyed by the fire for the rest of our lives because <laughs> she's just... That's just... I, th- I feel like she deserves it's that. It's her rightful place. And, and Potato, God bless him, will have a lovely urn on the on the fireplace. Oh, yeah. And also, he's just he's just a different character because he's so sweet. It would feel wrong. It would be upsetting. It would, And Chris wouldn't be able to cope with it. Yeah. But there's something kind of... Um, a bit comic. A bit comic mm. with Lulu. And also, I think it's what she would want. Yeah. And I also, in terms of having the thing I couldn't live without, I actually think I would just miss her so unconditionally that I, I've got an opportunity to have her forever. Forever. So I think I might do it. And so they're presumably like normal taxidermists yeah. to do that. Yeah, and I love taxidermy. I've yeah, always been so really into I. it. I think so it's brilliant, as long as it's natural causes and all, you know, mm. all that stuff. But, you know, what I've got to not get too excited about it and then, like, Wish instigate her. her death. Yeah, <laughs> that's murder. And obviously, and obviously, as long as she dies under like pleasant circumstances. Yeah, and isn't contorted in the face. Kind exactly. Of. Like yeah. if her face gets squashed, then I'm not oh, doing yeah. it because her face is quite important in all of this. But it's quite yeah. weird to think they put in like glass eyes. So I'm oh, going to give her they? lovely blue eyes. And, and just, what do, does she have? Blue eyes now. She's got Siamese cats okay. have blue eyes, yeah. but I'll give her really piercing ones Ooh, yeah. and um, <laughs> maybe some lashes. <laughs> You're taunting her. <laughs> no, do you know end. what? She would. I, 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 I'm more in tune with this cat than I am with my own children. Like we are so part of each other's lives, and I think it's what she would want. The thank you next. So this is a chapter in your life that's that's closed. That maybe you look back on and think, yeah, that was that was meant to happen. Actually, it was really hard at the time, but it has, you know, maybe shaped you or it was a shitty piece of news that you got that actually turned out to be good. It's definitely the first thing that comes to mind is the period of time when I was around 30 where the TV work dried Mm. up. So I'd moved out to LA to do the series for Channel 4. It was great. You know, I'd kind of got my own primetime documentary series on Channel 4. I and mean, it had all gone relatively it quickly, went great. hadn't it? Yeah. And it was, yeah, and it was uh, just come from Prelude the BBC. And I was, um, it was amazing. I was going, you know, I got flown out to LA to live there to make a series for Channel 4. I was like, what, what, the what's dream. better than that? So we made the series and it went great and people loved it. And it wasn't that the series wasn't a success, but Channel 4 had said they were going to do another series and then just... 10 months later just didn't mm-hmm. and a really nice guy um, who was the commissioner there at the time who had a really good relationship and I remember him just calling me and he said are you sitting down and I remember just mm-hmm. falling down because by this point I'd spent all of my money I was locked into a contract on a flat I was living on the other side of the world mm-hmm. everyone thinks you're living your best life when you're out in LA just not the case at all I was very very unhappy 
And yeah, he just said that it's not going to happen. And it was just such a strange feeling. I'd experienced huge success throughout my 20s in terms of, not necessarily financially, but just in terms of getting work. I had, you know, I had TV shows with my name in the title. I was giving all these amazing things. It just seemed to be going so well. So it came as a real shock, not one that I was prepared for at all. And then it just got continuously worse over the next kind of two to three years. I'm still financially making up for it. I feel like I just didn't work for ages. And so that, I moved to L.A. when I was 29. And on my 30th birthday, I met Chris, which was a reason to stay in L.A. But mm-hmm. and in one way, romantically, that was a good idea. But for my career, it was an absolute disaster because I couldn't work in L.A. I had a visa that was tied into one company. So okay. it wasn't like I could go and do anything. And so I'd kind of abandoned any sort of momentum that my career had here. And so then I got a weekly column with Stylist magazine when they launched. thought that was great. Then they sacked me, which was hands down the worst day. Meanwhile, Chris had just done Bridesmaids and was having like a moment. And I couldn't be happy for him. It wasn't that it was jealous because we really don't have that dynamic. It was just waking up every morning with this just a reminder that whilst you're watching someone rise. rise. And I feel so guilty about how down I was at that time because I'd say for Chris, being launched into like global fame, which is what Bridesmaids did, yeah. was in its own way terrifying, mm-hmm. wonderful. I wish I'd just been there for him more. I wish I had set myself aside and I wish I, with all like Kristen and Rose and Melissa and everyone just being so kind of impressed by them. And I remember, I think it was Rose, who's the loveliest person. She'd heard about one of my documentaries and she said, oh, I heard that you'd made a documentary about um, polygamists. And I was like, and just fizzled off and walked away because I just felt like nothing compared to these people. Didn't have that capacity to go, I've done amazing things. I just felt like I'm not doing it right now, so yeah. therefore I'm just nothing. And I really, really worried. I got very sad, lost a shitload of weight and went to a few therapy sessions. So mm. I was just like, Help what's me, happening? Somebody. And then within all that, Chris somehow proposed, which was, again, I regret not being really happy around that time. And it was great and all of that stuff's really good. But I was just like, God, what a waste. And he always says, when I say when I talk about the work, like now just feels like such an insignificant three years of my life. It doesn't matter. And he was just like, you just took time out to find a husband. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Because I wasn't I wasn't perceptive the, to the idea of love and husbands yeah. when I was so driven ambitiously. And maybe if things were different, I wouldn't ha- have had that space to receive in the way that I did. So I, I look back on it and in one way, it calmed my ambition to a really healthy level, mm. made me strive for success rather than fame and um, stay within my limits and understand who I am. And it made me... It boosted my work ethic to never take anything for granted and to keep my... That's what writing does. You have to work constantly. You have to maintain a level of good. With TV, it's just like you're waiting for a call. With writing, you have to work and it suits me so much better rather than being disposable. And so it's it's done a lot for me as a person. Am I glad it happened? I I don't think you can look back on any kind of years where you felt really unhappy and say, I'm glad it happened. Mm. But yeah, God, it's all part of the rich tapestry, isn't it? But I'm fucking glad it's over and I don't think that would happen to me again because I just don't think I would allow it to be like that. Yeah, when your identity is so closely linked to your achieving Uh things, you know, week after week, month after month and then suddenly it's gone. It's like, who the fuck am I if I am not doing stuff? I really lost sight of who I was completely and just forgot. So I only had four sessions of therapy. Mm -hmm. She just said something on the last session which for me, I didn't need to go back because... She just said, why do you think you can't do what you've already done? And I was just like, 
I've already done all the things I'm telling myself I'm incapable of doing. It was just a bit of a kick up the arse statement that just kind of got me back on track. Good advice. Mm. Also, four sessions, that's a record. I know. Fixed, done. Yeah. Now I live out in LA, I feel like I want to give myself that gift. Yeah. Of like starting to see one. People are so, it's so normal over there. I feel it's, it's getting more normal. Over here. I a lot think of it's my getting friend, normal yeah. over here. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of our friends have got therapists and I think yeah. it's great. I'm like, why is there a stigma about, around allowing one hour a week I to know. just talk about yourself? I yeah. feel like that's all I've wanted for my entire <laughs> life. You've got your audience, yeah. Don. I mean, it's like this. It's like being a guest on someone's podcast every yeah. week. It's yeah. brilliant. It is. It's really good. I've started doing it a few months ago and honestly, it's like initially it is that thing of, oh God, this feels so self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's one hour and it's a kind of, yeah, gift. Yeah. Bloody hard gift. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> At times. I know. But like, also. I went into my first um, session and I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. She's like, you're not fine. And then it starts to come out. Yeah. And then I did get a bit scared of it and kind of backed off. But I feel like it answered the immediate question I wanted to answer. And then like, when I eventually go into therapy, what I have to trawl up from my childhood about, it's going to be a lot. So I just I do it when I'm ready. Brace yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the thanks that got away. So somebody that maybe you didn't get the opportunity to to say thank you to. It's a really nice question. And it's such a nice question to be asked because a hundred obvious answers come into your head Mm -hmm. and then you think, no, let's just delve a little bit deeper than that. I wasn't academically um, good Mm -hmm. at school and I went to a very academic school. When I said I wanted to be an actress, no one gave a shit. I went to an all-girls school in Guernsey and I didn't get enough GCSEs to do A-levels. I got two A's and a B and you needed at least four. It was an absolute disaster. It was a shameful, shameful time. But I got an A in drama and two Bs for both Englishes, which is all I ever cared about. So the fact that I wasn't entitled to carrying on my education felt like an absolute travesty. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was being judged on not giving a shit about Pythagoras theorem or whatever it's called. Yeah. And I was like, I'm excelling in all I want to do in my life. But now I have to go and work in a bank on Guernsey because you won't accept me to do drama and English A-level. It just felt ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I was ready to have this fight. I went to the local grammar school and there was a... Um, I d- I'm not going to name check him because I'm not sure if what happened was completely above board. Okay. But there was there was a head of sixth form there and I went to see and he said, you don't have enough qualifications to get in. And I, I remember saying to him, I said, you have to help me. I'm going to be... I'm going to work with words and I'm going to be an actress and I'm going to follow this dream right to the end and if I go and work in a bank now it won't happen if I have to go and just you know get a job that won't happen I know I'm going to go to drama school I know this thing is going to happen and you have to help me and I just sat in his office and I wouldn't leave and he said to me he was like there's nothing I can do and then he said he kind of went through my phone and realized that I'd done this other qualification and he said, this is not what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to accept that as a GCSE qualification and let you do A-levels. No way. Now that man, I like to think everything would have, would have been all right in the end, but I, I, I need to thank him one day because it was, um, he went above and beyond. He didn't know me, he didn't mm. need to care. He, he, he listened to me telling him 
what I wanted to do with my life. He listened and he accepted and he helped me. And you know what's so lovely about it is that so much of what holds people back in life is another human decision. And that when someone is willing to help, they can. And people don't have to be stopped in their tracks and stopped on their, you know, chance to do what they want yeah. to do. He taught me that. So it that taught me not to take no for an answer on a lot of those kind of scenarios that you face when you work in this industry. Yeah. But um, yeah, I owe him a huge thanks. What a gorgeous thing to do. That is so lovely. I know. And I do think you're right, that idea of somebody else's decision dictating yeah. basically your, you know, your trajectory or your life. Yeah path I know it's based huge. on their experience which yeah. is you know completely personal to them not your yeah. reality he basically had a, a young girl in his office begging to be educated <laughs> quite a ballsy move though it was I wanted to do a drama um, A level and I wanted to go to drama school and I knew that I needed that A level to go to the drama schools that I wanted to go to yeah. and that if I started working in a bank in Guernsey which is a great life mm-hmm. I would have ended up you know being the breakfast presenter on the local radio station and I'd have loved it but I knew I wanted more mm-hmm. I couldn't leave that office with him saying no to me and he didn't but also teaches you to to ask I think a lot of people yeah. are just afraid yes. to, to ask because they fear the no or they fear the judgement at asking for either help or yeah. needing something there's a really lovely book that Amanda Palmer wrote called The Art of Asking which is essentially what that's about and I think women have to be better at this mm. and um, and it's okay to be desperate for what you want it's okay it's not nothing to be embarrassed about yeah. if you have to beg for what you want and make someone understand what, what they can do to help you get it then just do it is that linked though to the idea that ambition in, in women or is a, is a bit grubby maybe yeah I think guys are probably a little bit better at asking for what they want or just demanding what they want, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, and I mean, it's seen as, you know, yeah. he's a go-getter, yeah. not he's a fucking yeah. ruthless climber. Exactly. Because once you've said what you want, the conversation is open. Yeah. The hardest bit is saying it out loud. It's one sentence, then you've said it, and then and then it's a negotiation. Mm-hmm. And you've brought someone to the table on it. And if they're going to say no and shut you down, then at least you did your best. Because yeah. there's nothing worse than being left with a feeling that you you could have had what you wanted, but you didn't push yourself that extra mile yeah okay the big thank you Mm. so this is the big one like the person maybe it's a characteristic personally an event or a thing that that kind of has profoundly um yeah that you're profoundly grateful for i mean my aunt and uncle took me in when my mum died i think to answer that question with with anybody else would just be really disrespectful Mm -hmm. and obviously that's huge um they had already raised two boys who had grown up and left home and then they just get these two girls who have been broken in half mm-hmm. and they raised us and it was really hard for them, I'm sure. It must have been absolutely awful. And how old were you and Jane? I was 10. Jane was 12 when we moved in with them. And Jane was, you know, heading into that, she won't mind me saying this, kind of pubescent, damaged teenage years of mm-hmm. like she'd experienced a lot of trauma and it would have been really hard. And... All families have their shit. All, no family is perfect. Everyone's got stuff. And so we absolutely have ours. Mm. But at the end of the day, they did a great job with me and Jane. We are both really, really great. You are. <laughs> well, in terms of, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. What I mean is that we're both, we're both really, we've made really good lives. Mm. And, um, and that has to be due to the fact that this kind of thing happened no matter how hard it felt for any of us sometimes, the fact is, is they 
they did that. There was very little in it for them because mm. it would have been hard work. When I know as a mother of two boys that I cannot wait for them to go to university. <laughs> You're like I am done. Every Sunday night, I say to Chris, "We're one weekend closer to them going to university." When we're packing up that car and we're dropping them off, and to the idea that you have to do that all again, that you have to go through teenagers again, not mm. only like that you've done it, but with two girls, which is two girls with a with a deep feeling of abandonment, yeah. who are slightly wild and feral, probably, and are kind of impossible mm. to guide or be authoritative with. And people say, you, you get sad about your mum, what's it like? I just, my auntie's my mum, that's the woman who raised me. But it wasn't like that when we were yeah. teenagers. It took a while for that bond to form. She got very, very, very ill about 15 years ago. She had an operation that went hideously wrong. She got an infection and she almost died. I wouldn't leave her when she was in the ICU unit. And I kind of just sat there holding her hand, just going, you, you cannot go you can't do this. I felt like I was losing my mother. And where she made this miraculous, miraculous recovery, I still, like, when I think about it, can't believe it. She was told she was going to die one day. Wow. And then she just, she just did it. She just got through it. That was the week I gave up smoking. I was like, when you're sitting with someone in an ICU unit and you're going out for fags, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, my so really, it was a big change. And um, yeah, my, my ultimate thanks goes to them. Also, the fact that you and Jane are so close. Yeah. I think often that kind of, you know, trauma in a young person's life can kind of drive you apart. You compete with each other. You're kind of grappling for, or maybe it does the opposite and brings you really close together. We weren't always close. So mm-hmm. As teenagers, it was hard work. We, we were so different in so many ways. And um, and then I'd say there was a point when I, was, I kind of had this like rise to fame and I'd say people would just, you know, we'd go back to um, Guernsey and family friends would just kind of talk to me and not bother asking Jane how she was doing, which is just fucking rude. And yeah. I get that as being married to a famous man. You, I know how that feels. And it's yeah. really, you just, God, people just really do that. And I'm sure Jane's not said that out loud by the way but I'm sure that that was a thing and then and then suddenly we lived together in our early 20s but it's just really in the last like 10 12 years where we've just I think realized that we're just our favorite people Mm. no one in the world makes me laugh as much as my sister she is ludicrous but you're both loopy. loopy. Like in a lovely way but so different so different polar opposites she Mm. designs gardens yeah and I'm in constant jazz hands mode. So it's just like, it's just so different. But you both like a very OTT evening yeah. attire. Yeah, we do. And she was so rude about the dress I wore to my launch last night. And then I keep saying that she turned up looking like the fudge from the Quality Street tin. This bright I, pink jumpsuit. Now, as a woman who very much likes a jumpsuit, you love one yeah. too. Um, I thought it was fabulous. Yeah, she did look fabulous. Mm, yeah. Really good. Okay, the gift that you are most grateful for. Now you can be like super frivolous here. Can I? The gift that I've... Oh, okay. Oh, I've got two answers. Okay, Okay, I need to decide one. They're both what Chris got me for my 40th birthday. So let's club them together as one thing. One is my party. He paid for my party that you were at, Mm -hmm. the Warpole Bay in Margate. And it was, for me, just some of my best friends me singing sequin jumpsuit um, fish and chips margaritas just by the sea I've never been happier I know it and was joyous that was a gift from Chris for my birthday mm-hmm. and what more could he have given me than that but then he also got me a physical present and he got me a peloton the, that's right the exercise bike which I could take offensively but I don't yeah. I am a terrible exerciser I hate it I find it really really hard I hate that as of turning 40 I have to do it 
but I also eat too much so I have to I have to exercise it's something in my life that is it's it would be the first thing to go if I could choose you know right. I'm so jealous of people who talk about exercise and endorphins and feeling great anyway so this peloton I got really fit for my 40th party because I wanted to wear a catsuit. Lost all the weight that I put on after Valentine, which was quite a bit. Got fit for the first time ever, like relentlessly went to cycle. And so for my 40th, he, he was like, I'll get you a Peloton so you can do this in your own home. home. And it's so good for me because I haven't been on it for two months, but I, I know that I will. And when I go through my spurts of exercise, for me having to go to a class, when I go to work, I sit down and I write for eight hours. An hour out of my day to go to an exercise class, I find incredibly stressful. I can't but afford the time. But also it's two hours. Yeah, exactly. Can't afford time, so just so I end up not doing it. So the great thing about the Peloton is I can just maintain what I need to maintain and it's really it's a very life-changing gift nice yeah so it's in the spare room lovely and you can do like a 5 to 45 minute class and what are they because I like spin I haven't done it in ages but I always find that the instructor is a kind of shouty American no that some of the instructors are amazing I, like the other day I did a half an hour Diana Ross ride stop it so this, with uh, this, actual yeah, Diana Ross no 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 oh, sorry. So it's, but this instructor like called, called Ali Ali Love and right. she's just this really hot woman with this amazing fro and she's just like when she does like soul rides and like Diana oh. Ross rides she's you sing along and she's it's just a party and it's so fun and I never thought I'd enjoy it. It's the only exercise I enjoy. So it's a great present for me because that's going to have me looking badass at 60. Badass at 60. I like that. Um, one of my favourite moments from your party was, so you did an outfit change, obviously, and you came down in... Oh yeah, okay, sorry. I was a little far <laughs> gone at that point. Um, but there was a like a play suit I mean it was more just like a sequins leotard it was a leotard yeah okay so yes, it was let's like, just call it what it okay, was okay so it was all legs and like a gusset yeah <laughs> but in a really hot way and like the most fabulous iridescent they're kind of giant sequins yeah. weren't they and I'm going to give them a shout out Rosa and Bloom they're okay. the most amazing they, company it was, it was so brilliant and so you came down you were like you had done your solo you had done everything was good the party was in full flow there was none of whatever nerves might be lurking around with the party and like we were all there and Chris you walked in and Chris is sitting beside me and he's like kind of looking around like what's going on here and then he turned to me and he goes my wife is a very sexy trout <laughs> what's happened my wife is a sexy trout and it was just like as if he was having this vision and that he actually may have thought that you were I think there's a good chance that night he probably didn't I think, think I was sexy. <laughs> but he was kind of like oh god am I turned on or is it like yeah it's quite awful. confusing him a lot of my outfits confuse him <laughs> But he's into it. He's into it. And yeah. he's got he was wearing a leopard print suit. He he did not hold back. Yeah. He's got a leopard print suit from Amazon. He said this is what I'm gonna wear tonight. I said, Why? Flammable, I bet. So flammable. Yeah. Outfit number one was what? Uh, a little sixties mini dress. Yeah. Okay. That's what I did when That's I That's what performed. you did. Your, yeah. Yeah. What did you perform? I did Whitney, I did some my repertoire was massive. Oh it was. Yeah. And it was so good. It was just fun. Do you know what I didn't care if it was good. All I wanted to do was do it. Yeah. I was like, I didn't care. I wasn't I love singing. I don't care if it's good or bad. I'm not trying to be a singer. I just wanted to sing at my 40s. I just had such a good time. That felt like a hashtag blessed moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Is that up there? Hashtag sexy trout. Hashtag blessed. Uh, all of the above. Yeah. It was a real highlight of my life yeah. that weekend. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. Big thank you to Dawn. Her novel So Lucky is out now and it is 
absolutely brilliant so please do check it out and let us know what you think if you enjoy this chat go back and have a little root around for a few more Cash Caraway is unbelievable find them all when you subscribe via Apple Podcast Spotify or on your smart home device and if you are fully team Scanlon which you should be if you're not you should be ashamed of yourself please write me a little review five stars obviously I shouldn't need to tell you that um, yeah it'll help other people who are as dashingly handsome as you to find us thanks again to Dawn to producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and to you for listening thank you or thanks a million as we're supposed to say sorry bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.